favorite, isn't it? Thank you, Jen. Played it like a pro. I, she probably doesn't like me a whole lot. I switch things up on her and she doesn't know what in the world I'm doing, but praise the Lord she's that competent and capable that she's able just to take care of that. So that's a blessing, and for me at least it is. It's a tremendous blessing. Well, tonight, let's take our Bibles, look over the book of First John again tonight. First John. Chapter 2, so we kick off our series again as we uh, continue with it, I should say. I wasn't sure what to expect tonight. Earlier, as they were given all the uh, news about the weather, I thought, my, we'll be lucky if we got 50 people here tonight, you know? And, uh, man, it's amazing to have under 1,000 here tonight. What a blessing that is. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, great group though tonight on uh, the way things were setting up, and boy, sure glad to have you, and um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 to kick things off, and then we'll kind of move along here and answer another question or consider another question along the way as we deal with the world and you, the world and you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 reads, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If, the, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Abideth forever. We had a gentleman today, uh, Bob, in our uh, nursing home today, the one we did, and uh, staff does a nursing home once a month, and we went over there to that particular place, and old Bob, we got to sing in Silent Night, and he said, that's my favorite song, and he stood up and put his hands in the air, and he just stood up while that song was singing, we were singing it, he was singing it too, we asked everybody to sing, old Bob, he was just fired up, man. I mean, Bob's like what? Well, how old is Bob? He's like, what, what do you think, 70, 80, 70-something. He, he had a 90, 93-year-old girlfriend at one point, and then I don't know what happened to her. I hate to even ask. But then all of a sudden, he started telling us he had a 44-year-old girlfriend. I mean, he's got him from, you know, the cradle to the, well, wherever. But anyway, old Bob, he's something else. I'll tell you what, you, you know... You never get tired of, 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 of what takes place in the ministry. Ministry is exciting. You know, you meet some interesting people and 
Brother Bob's one of them. He carries his King James Bible around. And boy, I tell you, I'm the greatest preacher in the world and the greatest singer in the world. And I don't even preach there all the time. Most of the guys do it all. But I'm, boy, I tell you what, he fires me up. He makes me feel pretty good. First John chapter 2. You ought to get involved maybe one of these weeks if you're available. Maybe you can come with us to the nursing home. It's usually on Wednesdays, the last Wednesday of the month. And it's, um, uh, it's uh, at 1.30. We basically, well, actually 1.15. And then we leave here and we get there around 2. It's been 2 to 2.40. We leave around 2.40, 2.45. And we get back here around 3.30 or whenever we do. So usually it's right around that time, something like that. But uh, you're welcome to be a part of that if you like. First John chapter 2, we've read it already. We talked about the world system and, and we said how it's consisted of, it consists of the political system, the economic system, the social system, religious system. We said it's headed up by none other than that little G God, Satan. And um, we said, there, of course, that the world, uh, you know, travels a course. And that course, of course, is a horse, of course. And its name is Mr. Ed. But I'll tell you that. <laughs> a horse is a horse, of course, of course. Anyway, that's all I can think of. But anyway, um, so, <laughs> you know what? It's, I wouldn't expect anyone to be here, so, you know. Lack of faith, wasn't it, you know? Okay, but anyway, uh, so, any, the, the, you know, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. The world has a course, and they're traveling it. And, of course, we are delivered from this present evil world. Praise the Lord for that. And as a result of that, we're told not to conform to the world, but instead to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we kicked off our series with that thought and those basic premises and we said, first of all, we have to realize that if you live for Jesus Christ, you're going to encounter opposition from the world. And we talked about that. We said that, obviously, as believers, we are children of light. But the world, they're in darkness. And so there's a, a, a real problem there. There's, they, they, they do not coexist. As a result of that, there's opposition that we're going to run against and come up against. And we said that you're going to be opposed because Jesus Christ was opposed. We said that you're going to be opposed because you live for him. And as a result of that, there's problems, opposition. We said, what areas will we expect opposition from? Well, we said primarily they'll come from those that are closest to you. Uh, your friends, your family, your fellow workers, your acquaintances, those kind of folks. You're going to find there'll be opposition. If you are born again, you're saved, you're on the winning side, and you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, then even family's going to struggle at times if they have yet to understand or have received what you've received. They're just going to be in the dark. Good use of terms there, right? That was supposed to be kind of like, wow, that was really good, preacher, in the dark. A, a good way to, okay. But nonetheless, from you guys, I don't know if it's me or you tonight now, I'm starting to wonder, but from unsaved people in general, we're going to receive some of that. We're going to have opposition. We said from society in general. And then we said, just we have to always keep in mind that the mastermind to all of this is none other than Satan himself. And so there's going to be opposition. It's just bound to happen. Well, the next question we want to a answer then is this. We want to ask this question. How can I overcome this opposition then? How do I deal with it? How do I face it? How do I get victory over this opposition? If it's destined to come, it's bound to come, then obviously I need to be prepared for it. And how am I going to overcome this opposition? And that's what I want to trust, uh, touch on tonight for just a few moments. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. And we'll look at this question. How can I overcome 
this opposition. Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity that we have to be here tonight. And Lord, thank you for these that have weathered the weather, so to speak, Lord, and made their way here to Community Baptist. And we ask, Lord, that you would just truly do a work in our hearts and lives. Lord, there's, we have an exciting week ahead as we have our program on Friday and as we face, once again, our, our uh, services on Sunday. We look forward to all of it, and we ask, Lord, that you would just be glorified in everything. But, Lord, tonight we're here, and we need something now. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us where we are at this very moment. And, Lord, do this work in our life and carry us through till we meet again. Give us the encouragement we need, the exhortation we need, and the strength we need to face each day. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So, what areas will this opposition come from? We already stated that. Everywhere you can turn almost. So, how are you going to overcome it? How are you going to get victory over it? Well, let me give you just a couple of thoughts. Number one, respond properly. If you're going to get victory over opposition, and this opposition is a result of your relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to respond properly. Uh, And again, I I can't emphasize enough that idea or that thought that the reason why you're experiencing opposition is because you stand in opposition to everything that the world believes. You are destined to have opposition. Well, how do I deal with that? Remember again, you're dealing with from the perspective of I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I represent God. So how am I going to deal with this opposition? How am I going to deal with those that aren't happy with me or don't understand me or maybe malign, mistreat, or mock me? How do I deal with those things? Well, make sure you respond properly. Give a soft answer. Look if you would in Proverbs 15.1. A tremendous passage. A real simple thought, really. But boy, I'll tell you what. We really struggle with this one. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. How am I going to deal with this opposition? Uh, we, we've talked in the past about opposition, and really, we could just illustrate it by just really just this. It's friction, confrontation, problems. How do I deal with that? Well, when it comes to you as a believer, then a soft answer, the Bible says, turneth away wrath. I mean, you don't want to meet, uh, basically, fire with fire. That's, that's not what the Lord's telling us to do. That's not how He says to handle it. Somebody yells at you, you yell back. No, that's not how you do it. It's not how you handle it. Somebody hits you, you hit back. Somebody cusses you, you cuss back. Sadly enough, there are believers that do that. And then they'll feel justified in it because they have, in their mind, reason to, because nobody has a right to treat anybody like that. Now, first of all, you shouldn't be cussing. But you especially shouldn't be doing that to the world. You know, that's not how you handle problems. So respond properly, overcoming this opposition. And, and number two goes along with it under, under respond properly. Avoid fights whenever possible. Look in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. We really need to avoid fights. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing 
to be proud of. Boy, I'll tell you what, everywhere I go, I'm, I'm getting into it with somebody. Well, that's stupid. I mean, is that really what a believer ought to be doing? Everywhere you go, you, you know, there's this wake of chaos and confusion behind you. That's not how it's supposed to be. Well, it worked. They know where I stand at least. Well, boy, didn't you win a victory. Wow, the Lord's sure happy now. I mean, think about it. Look what the Bible says. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. As much as possible, as much as lieth in you. There are times that there must be a battle. There's time there must be a fight. There's time you must stand up and be counted in that regard. And you can stand up many times without yelling and screaming and kicking and doing all the crazy stuff that goes on with it. But let me tell you something. As much as lieth in you, as much as possible, live peaceably with all men. Why in the world do we want to fight with people? Why do you really, why is it that you fight so much with your wife or your husband? Or why do you fight with your children? No parent in here should ever fight with their children. Never. What in the world? So we're going to act like they act? We're going to come down to their level? You say, well, what do you do with a kid that won't shut up? Well, we have a class for that. And we have a Bible that tells us how to handle that. But you don't have to stoop to their level. I'm telling you, we we got to be careful. Man, we don't want to be fighting whether it's our wives or our families or our friends or anybody else, let alone the world, especially the world. You start doing that, your reputation gets affected and your reputation reflects on Christ. It can't be forgotten that opposition is eminent. You might as well mark it down. If you're going to live for Christ, you're going to experience some opposition. You live for Christ, you're going to have somebody that's going to say something derogatory about you. That's not going to feel that you are wrong, that you don't have the right perspective, the right attitude. They'll be accusing you of being full of hate when you're the only one that has any real love. It's going to happen. But a fight's not going to fix the problem. See, it's not whether or not we'll face opposition, but rather how will we face it. So we need to face it scripturally. We need to face it with a soft answer. We need to face it avoiding escalation at any cost. I mean, we don't want to escalate things. Don't make it worse. There is no... Again, you you don't get a trophy for causing trouble in the Christian life. You know, well, my friends at work are lost. And boy, I'll tell you what, they know it now. I gave it to them with both barrels. Well, good for you. Boy, I hope you, I'm glad you feel better. The only problem is they'd probably feel really bad when they think about you and Christianity. I mean, be careful. I'm just saying, it doesn't do any good to get in big fights or arguments over things. If you know where you stand is right, then just be confident to stand there and, and, and just stand there. Don't back out, don't back down, but you don't have to go yelling at people and you don't have to get in a big fight over it. Just be careful with that. It is tempting at times. Because why? This flesh. But remember, you're not on the same course anymore. So don't act like it. Don't live like it. Respond properly. Number two, please God with your life. Okay, if you're going to overcome this opposition, you need to please God with your life. You say, what does that have anything to do with dealing with opposition? Well, look at Proverbs 16, 7. Now, this one is somewhat, this one at times could be tough to wrap our minds around, really. It really is. This one's difficult. 
to some degree. When, when you hear this, you think to yourself, well, I know people live for the Lord and this doesn't work for them. Well, yeah, I know, I know. But look what it says here. And, and all I know is what it says, and I, and I believe what it says because it's God's Word. Proverbs sixteen seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Well, that's a tough one because if you're not careful, what you in your mind picture is that everybody that you consider an enemy should love you if you're living for Jesus. Well, that's it. that already doesn't make sense in light of what we just talked about because... Your light, their darkness, and your opposites. Now, hold on. I'm not saying that they're not going to, uh, that, that, you know, uh, that the Bible's not true. What I'm saying is, is that even your enemies will be at peace with you. Ultimately, they're going to see your life. They're going to watch it live out. That doesn't mean it happens overnight. That doesn't mean it happens the day that you get right with God. It may take years for you to prove to people that you are who you claim to be and what you really are. So be careful that you don't put a time limit on the Lord. And you say, well, I've got a few enemies over at work. Yeah, well, just keep staying faithful to the Lord. Keep living for Jesus Christ. And don't just talk about it and don't just pretend to be it. And don't just think you are. Make sure you really are, according to the Word of God. And if you'll do that, you'll be amazed how they'll respond to you in the future. They may not like you, but they will respect you. It's amazing. And if they do kill you, which that's possible in the Christian life these days, you never know. It was possible in the early church. Then you know what? You'll see Jesus and you won't care anyway. You say, that's not a very good answer, but that is a reality. I think about Daniel. Think about Daniel who was taken captive by the Babylonians. And yet, in the end, he could be found ruling. Isn't that crazy? I mean, here he was, one of those that was taken captive, but he found favor in the eyes of his captors even. And how many times have we read or heard about a wife who has gotten saved and then found themselves being mocked and mistreated by their spouse until their faith and practice made the difference. I'm not talking about somebody gave up before the change came. I'm sorry, but listen, this book's still true. Look what it says over in the book of of, um, Peter. Look, if you would, in 1 Peter chapter 3. We want to believe the Bible. Well, then let's believe the Bible. But let's believe it when it doesn't match up or align itself with our perspective or our life. Because then we have to ask ourselves something. Is it God's Word that's not, that's not calibrated properly? Or is it my life that's not calibrated properly? See, anytime the Bible doesn't seem to add up, or it doesn't seem to make sense, or the promises don't seem to be fulfilled, ask yourself what's wrong with me, not what's wrong with God and His Word. Notice in 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. To me, if you ask me, that verse is basically saying, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with it. I, I feel they're very similar. You say, but man, you might have to take a lot of abuse. I don't know, did Jesus... I'm just curious, did Paul? I wonder if Peter did. Listen, I know we live in a day where no one's allowed to do anything to you. They say the wrong thing. You're offended and you have every right to smash windows and go crazy and flip cars and burn houses. It's a stupid society we live in. Ignorant of God's truths. 
ignorant. Ignorant of God's truths. And in many cases, they just downright don't want to know anything about them. But I'm going to tell you something. If you apply God's word and you apply his truths the way he writes them out and the way he puts them here, they work. The problem is we don't work them. Look at number three. Not only respond properly, please God with your life. You want to deal with opposition. You want to get victory over it. You truly want to overcome it. Then you need to have faith in God. And we kind of touched on it, but look in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Now, these aren't groundbreaking. Not life shattering in the presentation of it. But I'm telling you, if we had applied these, they would be life shattering. Life-changing, for sure. How honestly sincere are you in your faith? I mean, what price are you willing to pay for your faith? And even more important of a question, what price aren't you willing to pay? That's even the more important question. Is there any price too high to be faithful to Him and His Word? Any price too high? I'm telling you, think before you answer those questions. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me ask you, have you been born of God? If you've been born of God, then you've overcome the world already. You're already an overcomer. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. You're a victory. You're already victorious. It's a matter of coming to what he say in John chapter three verse seven. Marvel not that I send it to you. Must be born again. Born of God. You've been born again. You've trusted Christ. Then you are already victorious. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. It's our faith that does that. If you lack faith, you will always be in a position of victim in the world. You'll always be the victim. But if you have faith, you know there's a purpose and there's a reason for everything. You understand it. No one can make you a victim. No one. You choose to be that. Man, at work, they hate my guts. And I tell you, I can't stand it. Well, oh, you're the victim now. I get it. Aren't you fulfilling a purpose that God gave you? You're not the victim. You're the victor. They're all lost. You're not. And we're not getting it sometimes. We just don't get it. So you can do this, by the way. You're a child of God. You can overcome these, op- this opposition. You don't go into it going, boy, I sure hope I can overcome this. We don't go into it going, boy, I sure hope God gives me the grace to overcome. No, he's already given it to you. You don't need to ask for it. It's, you're already an overcome. You already are. It's your faith. How strong is your faith, though? Are you willing to obey the Lord? Are you willing to walk in his steps? Are you willing to perceive yourself or note yourself as the person God called you to be and says you are already? We're more than conquerors, he says. I don't know about you, but if I was going to bet on a basketball game and I already knew the outcome of the game, 
Say, I knew that the Cavaliers were going to win by two at the end of the basketball game. And I make the wager. And in the midst of the game, the Cavaliers fall 20 behind. Do you know the one thing I'm not going to do? Worry. You know, it's not going to bother me a bit. So they're down 35 now, and it's the fourth quarter. Who cares? I know they're going to win. Do you realize that you're already winners? I know it seems like you're down 20 sometimes and down 30 in the fourth quarter. But let me tell you something. You're more than conquerors. You're already overcomers. You've got to have faith, though, to believe that. That's the faith you need to say, I'm already a winner. Not only have faith in God, but number four, D, love your enemies and help them. <laughs> now it's getting fun. This one's a tough one, isn't it? Oh, well, you say, well, what do I do about this opposition? Preacher, how do I overcome this opposition? Well, love your enemies and help them. What? Why would I want to help them? That's a good question. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Well, let's first of all look at what the Bible says. Look in Romans chapter 12. It's interesting that Jesus Christ loved his enemies enough to die for them, isn't it? I mean, he didn't have to do that, but he did. You know, we're big about talking about, I want to be Christ-like. I want to be like Jesus. Well, love your enemies. I don't want to be that much like him. You get what I'm saying? Now, we won't come out and say that, but we'll, we'll do that. We can forget that. You know, are you crazy? You're out of your mind. <laughs> I know it's the flesh. And I know that you say, well, everybody's like that. Uh, not everybody, obviously. Jesus wasn't. And you can see throughout the Bible, there are men and women that were not like that. And you can look around you. And if you're really honest with yourself, you can find people that truly apply these principles. It's amazing. I mean, it is. It's it's. Beyond our ability as humans or our flesh. It is a supernatural grace. It's God. But notice what it says in Romans 12. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Now, the reason I use the ones in the New Testament is so nobody says, well, that was Old Testament. Or, 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 or that's millennial doctrine, according to Matthew 5. Because that's, you know, that's usually the big one, right? You know? Matthew chapter 5. So we run right over to the book of Romans, which is written by the Apostle Paul. And of course, he's Apostle to the Gentiles. So even if you're dispensational, you have to go, well, bam. I mean, that's right where we live. I mean, that's the church he's talking to. He's talking to you and I. That's right, preacher. You're right. You're on the money. Preach it, brother. Say amen. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Look at verse 20 through 21. Gets even better. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. Now, that just makes no sense at all in the world, does it? In the world we live, that's just crazy. If he thirsts, give him drink. For Now watch it. Here we go now. Here's the reality of it. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. See, the problem is, the point is, the world cannot understand this kind of love. And those that are seeking truth, that are genuinely seeking the truth, 
They're drawn to that kind of love. You, you, let's be honest. You know what our real problem is? You know, you know where our real issues are? Is that we don't think enough about tomorrow. All we think about is today. We don't see that we're not here for today. We're here for tomorrow. In a sense, God put you here and left you here with a purpose, just like he did me, to say, listen, I understand that you have to be in the world, but you're not of the world. And I understand the responsibilities that you have according to my word. But the fact is, is that everyone around you, you are responsible for. And it's not whether or not they eat a meal today. It's whether or not they sit at my table in eternity. We don't see the future. We don't see eternity. We only see the temporal. And when someone says, or the Word of God, or even Jesus says, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed, and we go, what in the world's that about? That makes no sense. And it doesn't if all you are is earthly minded. If, if, if you are earthly minded, that makes no sense at all. May I say, I understand that. I get it. But with the moment we become heavenly minded, we realize there's more at stake than just whether or not he apologizes. Whether or not he respects me. Whether or not he or she recognizes me as a person. There's a little more to it than that now. There's more to it whether the, uh, more than just, no one has a right to talk to me that way. No one has a right to treat me that way. No one has a right to... Uh, you know what you're looking at instead? How pitiful... How pitiful is that person? Lost in their sin. And they can't even see the only good thing in their life is what God's allowing me to do in it. And they want nothing to do with me. And they're even being nasty and mean. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you steal your neighbor's lawnmower, don't be upset when he comes over and punches you in the nose. Don't blame God for that. They're persecuting me. No, they're not. No, no, no. You got it mixed up. That's not what the Bible's talking about here. Be careful with that one. But love your enemies. And in that case, you probably ought to invite him over to dinner and then buy him a new mower as well. And say, it was all my fault. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have taken that. I'm just glad I'm not in jail right now. Thank you. But the fact is, is that therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. How do I deal with this opposition? Man, you know how you deal with it? From a heavenly perspective, not an earthly one. From a godly perspective, not a human one. From a spiritual perspective, not a fleshly one. From a futuristic or eternal perspective, not a temporal or immediate one. But love your enemies. Wow. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying I got it all figured out. But how dare we look at God and tell Him He's wrong? How could we ever do that? At least let's admit that we're the problem and not God and His Word. If, if indeed we even have a problem with that. I'm just you know, saying that that's something that at times in my life I've struggled with. So how can I overcome? I've got to hurry here. Respond properly. Please God with your life. Have faith in God. We said love your enemies and help them. And then here, number five or E, you could say pray for your enemies. Wow. Usually prayer comes before, you know, that other stuff really. You ever notice how hard it is to be really upset with somebody you're praying for? 
Now, you can be mad at them in a sense, but before you know it, you're feeling sorry for them. Before you know it, you're feeling like, man, I want to be so angry with them, but man, my heart breaks for them. You ever been there? I mean, somebody treats you like a dog. You start praying for them, and next thing you know, you're like, man, they're in a real mess. Man, I know that they're the ones that said that or did that to me, but boy, I'll tell you what, I feel sorry for them. Boy, I'll tell you, prayer is so important. But then not only just praying, but pray with pure motives. He says in Matthew 5, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The boss says, you're never going to ever be promoted here because as far as I'm concerned between you and me, I can't stand Christians. You're a bunch of hypocrites. I'm going to run to the ACLU right now and I'm going to get my just due. Before you do that, why don't you pray? Before you bring the world into it to try to fix the problem when it's really a spiritual problem, let's pray first. Let's see what God wants us to do before we just jump at things and go, well, this is how the world handles it. There will be no, none of that in this work environment. I'm not talking about sexual harassment if it's legitimate. I'm talking about something now where your Christianity is being is a problem. This is something that's bigger than that. This isn't just something you handle and deal with. Man, this is something that you've got to let God help you deal with. It might be your testimony through this that will get them saved. Is their soul worth not making an extra dollar an hour for a while? I'm just asking the question. Because, see, once again, if we're not careful, we get so earthly-minded. We don't see past that. And I know it's not fair. It's just not fair. I know. That's what Jesus could have said hanging on Calvary. But he didn't. I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of people today in our present culture, our politically correct culture. But biblically, you need to make sure it's God moving you before you do anything. You really do. And if he tells you to do something, then do it. But before you do something, make sure he's the one talking. Number five, uh, six, keep good company. Associate with people who love God and want to serve him. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I'll tell you what, there's not very many things that are more encouraging, more uplifting than other believers in Christ. And when you are being bombarded with opposition, there's nothing like going into God's house or being around God's people and saying, Listen, stay in the fight, brother. I visited Terry's brother today. Terry's brother is getting that, um, uh, a um, biopsy, yeah. He's got a mass. He's putting pressure on his heart and his lung. Listen, you know, hopefully it's not, you know, cancer. We even hate to say the word. But I think in his own mind, I'll be honest with you, I think he believes it is. I think he's really concerned about that. You know, he says to me today, he says to me, stay in the fight, preacher. 
Stay in the fight. I thought to myself, you kidding me? I come here to pray with him and encourage him and he sends me away encouraged. We need each other. We need each other. Keep good company. Associate with people who love God and want to serve Him. They'll, they'll be, understand that opposition better. They'll give you better advice in the long run. They'll encourage you in a more effective manner because they have the same outlook that you have. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. We want to think right. We want to act right. We want to do right. So we have to be around people that are doing those things. Finally, last, immerse yourself in the Word of God. Just saturate yourself with the Word of God. It's so important. I mean, we, we really need to face the reality today of life. Most people spend more time checking their email than they do reading the Word of God. Well, let's just quit playing games. We wonder why we're so powerless. We wonder why we have no answers. We wonder why our marriages, our homes, our lives are falling apart. And honestly, we have our nose in our computers, our tablets, uh, our TVs, more than we do God's Word by far. I mean, it's not even remotely close. Uh, Brother Kavanaugh, every once in a while, will give us some statistics about... Uh, electronic use and stuff. He kind of keeps up sometimes with that because he worked with teenagers. The numbers are alarming, folks. It's alarming to think of how many hours we spend checking emails and looking over our Twitter, our Twitter feeds and getting into Facebook and doing all that stuff and how little time we're truly spending in God's Word. If we took a poll in the auditorium today, and said, how many have watched at least five hours of television, will watch at least five hours of television a week? I think most, a lot of hands would go up. If I said, how many spend at least two hours a week just reading their Bible? Two hours now. We're talking about spending 120 minutes just reading. I'm not talking about prayer and reading. I'm just talking about in your Bible. Two hours. I'm telling you, that number would drop significantly. He said, how many spend at least ten hours a week watching television? How many spend at least five hours a week in their Bible? Let's be honest. We're dying. It's killing us. And I'm just as guilty many times. I look at my life and I think... Man, I, I, need to even spend, I need to spend more time in that book. You know, you go to the doctor's office and you're sitting there anyway. We pick up a stupid magazine. Why don't we just get on our little phone and read some Bible? I'm just saying, do some things that are just practical, simple stuff. Not stuff like that's, you know, so awfully martyrdom. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, I'm going to read the Bible ten hours a week. Don't start there. Please don't start there. You'll, you'll feel defeated. Boy, just, you know, and don't do it in traffic. I have a bad tendency to do stupid stuff like that. Some of you may do that as well. How many of you, how many of you try to read while you drive? I hope you don't. That's not good business. 
And the older you get, the worse that is, by the way. So, so we shouldn't be doing that. I'm not talking about on your phone doing texting. I think texting's stupid, but reading a book, I mean, come on. <laughs> no, you shouldn't do that either, okay? Okay, really, you shouldn't do that, all right? All right. So anyway, we've already come to that conclusion. No reading while we drive. But boy, let's, let's try to be a little bit more. Let's, let's try to just find those little five-minute periods even, extra ones on top of our normal daily time. Just keep adding to it. Just kind of getting that little shot. You know? Just kind of keep getting it. And then when you get a chance, maybe we read a little bit more. Make some commitments. So immerse yourself in the Word of God. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he goes on, as we said before, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? By making sure that we get the right stuff in. And that's his word. It really is. And uh, so how do we deal with the opposition? By the way, if you watch enough television, you and I both know that uh, you're going to get opposition from them. They're putting you down all the time. You say, nah, they don't actually put me down. No, they don't have to say it specifically, but they put down everything you believe. You know, it is. It kind of wears on you after a while, you know. So we've got to be careful with some of this stuff. At least be aware of it so we can combat it. Be aware of it. You know, I understand you're not going to walk out the door probably and throw your televisions out the window and get rid of your iPads and iPhones. And if you are, make sure you drop them off at my house. And I'll, I'll make sure I get, take good care of them and I'll put them to good use. I'll, I'll use a tablet. I'll use your, your new uh, uh, you know, Apple uh, computer and all that. I'll take care of that for you. But um, honestly, we do need to be very aware of the influence that's coming in. We have opposition. How do you deal with that? Well, we talked about a few ways to do that today. But what about you? You feeling the pressure sometimes? Of course you are. We all do. I do want to remind you, you're a conqueror, though. You're already an overcomer. Don't walk into life defeated. Hold your head up as a believer. Understand, you're not going to drown and you're not going to be defeated in the end. You may be behind right now. You will end up ahead. Don't lose faith. Stay faithful to God. Don't let the devil tell you he's dead. Just say, I know you're there, Lord. It may seem like right now I'm on the losing side, but I know I'm on the winning side. Father, we come to you.